This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, and a special return guest. We have the TSO's associate concertmaster, Taya Prokes, with us today. Welcome back, Taya. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, the reason you're here is because you're actually playing on the concert. This is the last Masterworks concert of the just season. Just to be clear, Taya usually plays on the concert. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're play, you're pl- performing as soloist, right? I am. Yeah, this is a pretty special concert for me. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, th- there's one performance only, right? It's happening this Friday, June 7th at 8 o'clock at the Peristyle, Elaine Trudell at the Podium. Taya is taking up her violin for the Beatles fantasy. This sounds like a really interesting piece of music. It's paired with uh, Michael Dougherty's Metropolis Symphony, which is all about Superman. And you're starting off with Aaron Copeland, Fanfare for the Common Man. Let's hone in first, Taya, on, on you and the Beatles fantasy. Can, can you guys tell us a little bit about this? Introduce it for us. I can talk a little bit about okay. it. Yeah. Hang on a second. Let me give you a little uh, music here. There we go. That sounds like nice inspirational music, it's right? Like deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Exactly. <laughs> by, I feel by, like I should lower my voice. By, by, by oh, totally do that. Talking really calmly. Yeah, um, well, that's what public radio is all about. <laughs> well, the uh, Beatles Fantasy um, is kind of an interesting project. It's, it's structured in a traditional form of a violin concerto where there are three movements, but every theme and... Um, kind of melody that the piece is based on is coming directly from a Beatles song. So each movement features four to five different Beatles tunes that you kind of know and love. And um, and he expands on those themes and writes all sorts of neat variations and yeah. tricks for the violin and fun things for the orchestra. And it's, it's a really cool piece. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like that would fit naturally in the sort of the, the, the arc of the Beatles and who they were because they had a long-standing interest in classical music and, and somebody like Paul McCartney still does. Um, so, yeah, that's a great pedigree, I think, to, to take hold. Uh, tell us about the composer. Now, Zach, you were saying that you've TSO's performed music of this composer before, right? Yeah, the composer is Maxime Goulet. Uh, he's a Canadian composer. Uh, I think Alain Trudel introduced us to his music at a uh, Halloween concert. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's very colorful. Uh, at the Halloween performance, uh, the music was telling a story. I, I want to say it was Headless Horseman, but I could be making that up. Um, but I just remember the sounds of bones rattling, you know, very obvious wow. from the orchestra, but, you know, not in a kitschy way. And uh, it was highly <laughs> listenable. And I got really excited knowing that we would be doing the Beatles fantasy later in the season. Yeah. Now, now... We know that you're a big Mahler fan, Zach, right? You can so, call me whatever you want. <laughs> so, so, you know, Mahler versus Beatles, where where do you lie with both of those? I don't think you have to choose. I think the the better way to think of it is, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago we did the Mahler 2, and now we're doing a violin concerto based on Beatles tunes. So there's great flexibility yeah. in this orchestra. Well, and it also speaks to, you talk about the great flexibility, it speaks to the, the, the wide variety of programming that goes on throughout the year. Mm-hmm. This has been your 75th anniversary season, mm-hmm. and, and this is really, is this the finale concert for the season? It, it is. is. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you decide on this uh, repertoire? <clears throat> well, we actually think of this almost like a 75th birthday present 
for our audience, this is the f- first time in a long time we've done a 10th week of Masterworks concerts. So yeah. um, this is kind of a, a bonus gift for for those of us who kind of stuck through the entire 75 years. Oh, wait, none of us. That's absolutely none of us. But, About the closest you get is Bob Bell. And, yes. Yeah. But I think that um, it's, a, it's a wonderful treat. And I think, in a way, even though obviously these are very much based on Beatles tunes, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of kind of historical precedent, really, I think, mm-hmm. especially for the violin. We're so used to playing all of these operatic fantasies. And this is very much in that line. It's, it's, I think when you're listening to the, the Beatles fantasy, you think maybe less about traditional concertos and more about things like Sarasati's Carmen fantasy. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. And all those operatic fantasies exactly. for violin and orchestra. Do you yeah. agree with that, Taya? Definitely. It, it takes some of the most famous melodies and expands on them yeah. so much like something like Carmen fantasy. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, and it's perfect for a party concert. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't the movements oriented to like early, middle, late Beatles? They are. Yeah. So um, the songs featured aren't necessarily chronological. Um, however, the first movement definitely features songs from their earlier years and then the second movement is more kind of their mid period and then the final movement focuses on some of their later hmm. later tunes yeah so well, I, I know that when we had you here before what which episode was that does anybody remember you remember what, what you were on talking about i was talking a little bit in preparation for the mozart series when we All had right. the schnitke piece was it the the mozart alla Haydn, or was it a different it was piece? a different one it was yeah. um oh well name? We'll was, cut this out later. Okay. <laughs> we could look it up. It was you were he, here he before, called though. In, he was like in the wilderness. Oh, Blake. <laughs> Blake. Yeah, Blake. Oh, right, right. right. Oh, right. Musical right. geniuses. Musical geniuses. How ironic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, we talked genius a lot about... Genius is all about forward thinking. Right. Memory is an entirely different... That episode was about Canadian geniuses, though. So <laughs> we're, we're going to make this one. I mean, we She's have a Canadian... She's from Buffalo. She's basically a Canadian genius. Yeah. I'm well, really well, close. Give us a little background on you, Taya, for, for folks who don't know. You're the associate uh, concertmaster of Toledo Symphony. Give us a little, uh, you know, quick little bio, just if okay. folks want to get to know you better. Okay, yeah. Hang on a second. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Well, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. And I do have a very musical family. My father is a violinist in the Buffalo Philharmonic. My mom is a violist and also a pianist and um, spent her career and actually is, is still teaching in the Buffalo public schools, uh, yeah. the music programs. Um, and then I have an older sister who is also a full-time violinist. So, wow. Um, so, yeah, so we... Now, when you were young, I mean, did you, was it just a given? Like some families have, you know, doctors and lawyers and what have you. Was it a given that you were going to follow in your parents' footsteps? You know, it wasn't a given. It wasn't something they forced on either of us at all. I think it was more um, the environment we were raised in. It just was something we all wanted to do together. It, It wasn't you should go play the violin right now. I think I saw my sister doing it. I saw that there were violins literally lying around the house and one <laughs> wanted to play. Um, wow. But I'm, of course, I mean, they encouraged us when we were interested in it, but yeah. it, it was it was never forced. Merwin, do you have violins lying around your house? <laughs> I do, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right you, now. You have two little boys. I home. do have two little boys and my... 
almost two-year-old really desperately wants to play the violin, and we are trying to find a right-sized thing that he can uh, he will be allowed to just discard, yeah. which is what he does when he's uh-huh. done with something. He'll just throw it on the floor. Well, so, just make it out of paper mache. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, we we do have like this little like twenty-dollar toy, but that's too big for him. And then there's a Christmas ornament one that's too small for him. So <laughs> we're still waiting for the just You're right for that Goldilocks violin. The exactly. Goldilocks violin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My kids both take violin. And, you know, how do you get young people to practice the violin, Teo? What was your experience? <laughs> were, you, were you just one of these well-behaved children that's, you know, they uh, said, you go no. practice for six hours, and you're like, yes, <laughs> yes, Daddy, okay, no problem. No, I think, um, I mean, practicing was hard. And in certain ways, practicing is still hard. Yeah. It it has to be something that that you're interested in and that you find joy in even if it you know certainly is still work um but as a little kid i think um the environment was more oh you know your your sister's playing why don't you play for a while or even just singing a lot honestly a lot of it wasn't even on the violin we would just sing through some of the songs and some of the melodies and listen to music a lot but again that was more fun it was more like a game than work and then i think it wasn't until I was quite a bit older that I really got more serious and started practicing with some real purpose. Yeah. So. What was your path to Toledo then? I mean, did you just come try out for the orchestra? Or how did that work? I did. I I came to the area. I was living in Ann Arbor because of doing a couple master's degrees at U of, of U of M, University of Michigan. A couple of master's degrees? Yeah. I had um, a performance degree. <laughs> And violin, and then I had a really wonderful quartet that I played with throughout my master's, and I ended up getting a chamber music degree as well. Um, So, yeah, I came to the area for school, and I loved it, and um, it was really fortunate. A couple years after I graduated, Toledo Symphony had a position open for section violin, and I came to town, took the audition, and was lucky enough to win a position, and... um, then, I think about a year and a half later, a new position opened up for associate concertmaster, and yeah. that that worked out as well. So, <laughs> right? Did, did you have to audition then for that as well? I did. Yeah. It was it was starting over, except I knew at the end of it, if it didn't work out, I would still have a job in the section. <laughs> but it was it's kind of like being a senator running for president. <laughs> you, you always have something to fall back on. You uh, you do start from scratch. It's anonymous. They don't know who's playing, so yeah. it's. Um, it's you know a fair system and um, still a very very stressful day. You want to play yeah. your best and right. So well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm glad that worked out. And and you both, you and Merwin, both have numerous opportunities to solo with the symphony uh, on occasion, and including this Beatles um, fantasy. I keep wanting to call it Beatles con- Beatles concerto, but it's a it's a fantasy, right? I mean, what's mm-hmm. the difference between concerto and fantasy? I think there's different formal expectations, which is kind of funny because this fantasy formally actually does use use kind of the typical three movements of a concerto. Mm. But when you're doing a fantasy, I think you're allowed to, oh, it, it doesn't need to feel like the first movement is fast. The second movement must be slow. The third movement is must be, must be fast. I think it frees you from those expectations. And I think as well, when when he's using this, term i think i think it's deliberately meant to evoke those <clears throat> operatic fantasies which it 
there's a lot of a show-off virtuoso element to yeah. those to those fantasies by Paganini or by Sarasati and and or Vinyovsky, and I think that there's a lot of fiddling tricks. Maybe is that is that a good way of putting it? That's a great way of putting it. I think the longer I live with the piece and work on the piece, the more I realize the fiddling influence. Um, it's all over this fantasy. Um, just the bow strokes required um, are just less less classical. They're more yeah. folk and they're more fiddling. And it's I think Americana kind of. It yeah. totally is. And I think when I first started practicing the piece, I was taking. Even though I knew it was about the Beatles, I love the Beatles. I love that whole vibe of what that that style of music feels like. And I think I was taking a really bizarrely classical approach, and it was totally <laughs> failing. Um, and I sort of just woke up at some point and just realized, oh, my gosh, that's not what this is at all. What are you doing? Um, and now it's going it's, it's much better. <laughs> you, know what you should listen to, uh, there's a singer named Kathy Barbarian who used to be married to Luciano Berrio. Uh, they both oh, passed now, I believe. But Kathy released a, a tune of Beatles covers that she did in classical mode. She was a singer. And so there's a great recording of her singing, I've Got a Ticket to Ride, where she does it like in a handle style. You know, oh she's like, gosh. I've got the ticket to ride. <laughs> <laughs> the rolled R alone. Yeah. yeah. I can just imagine, you know, what you're talking about. There. Get up there and, you know. Throwing a few little Handelian flourishes. <laughs> see how that works out. I want to talk briefly about the other music on the concert. Of course, everybody knows the the fanfare for the common <coughs> man, Aaron Copeland, which I guess uh, he wrote in the early 40s for a whole bunch of different composers submitted fanfares, and, and his was the one that, I guess, won the lottery. It's the one that, <laughs> that is still programmed. Um, what's the meaning of starting out the program with that particular piece? Well, there's actually almost a birthday celebration aspect to that because of the fanfare, you know, commissioning. There was it was it was a celebration as well, and you know. But I think the idea that this is really a celebration for everybody. Mm. This is not just a celebration of wow. Let let's just look at the amazing history of our orchestra, which we definitely have done throughout the year. But this is a party for everyone, and I think that's as much a you know as close as we can get to kind of making that yeah. point which well, he does by kicking the strings off the stage which is perfect <laughs> <laughs> well you make up for it later in the program exactly we did uh fanfare for the common man most recently at fourth uh, of july oh yeah and um am i right on that yeah okay, absolutely good. that was one of those scary moments when you're just like we are pretty sure this is going to line up with the fireworks oh yes it does <laughs> <laughs> And it actually did. I'm happy you mentioned that because you know if you listen to the Copeland, it it sounds different from a Rossini overture. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think about what that would look like as a firework, it looked like Copeland's fanfare for the common man sounds, and that you had these great um, silver, strong uh, fireworks going yeah. up that were silent, but you saw them. They didn't go bang. Um, and then they, as the percussion comes in with the famous uh, you know, response to the brass call, right. um, these great noisy fireworks go bam, bam up in the in the sky. It was pretty These were real fireworks. Real right. fireworks, yeah. yeah. You're not doing that at the peristyle. Uh, no, I don't think the fire marshal would allow us to. But, yeah. um, but you know, this is a, a really great way to, to celebrate, as, as Merwin said, an anniversary and something that's 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 kind of a communion of, of musicians and, and audience members. But um, it also does wave the flag for history because Aaron Copeland conducted the Toledo Symphony um, in his um, third symphony. I want to say. Yeah. 
I wasn't there. <laughs> oh well. we'll Once again, memory and genius. Let's let's not try to put those together. Fair, um, but uh, it 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 uh, definitely was a was a, a tip of the hat to that. Yeah. Um, and and that if you join Copeland with Beatles, you, you kind of get this sort of uh, larger than life concept going. And if you add the Doherty, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, then yeah. you really get this sort of um, super. Uh, I don't want to say superhero, but the sort of... It is kind of a superhero, fun kind of, you know, yeah. gloss that you've got over this whole yeah. concert. You mentioned Doherty, Michael Doherty, mm-hmm. who uh, I think was last heard with the symphony in that organ concerto, right, uh, with Paul yes. Jacobs, mm-hmm. uh, based on the story of Citizen Kane. Uh, Michael Doherty is somebody who draws on American icons for a lot of his music. In fact, that was the name of an early CD of his music, American Icons. And, and the piece you're doing is one of his early pieces that really put him on the map, his Metropolis Symphony, which is all about Superman, mm-hmm. right? You want to tell us about that a little bit? I actually have a clip of Michael if you want to listen to it. Um, the the interesting thing about Michael Doherty is, you know, he has a home studio up in Ann Arbor, and you walk into the home studio, and there's a couple of pianos, but he's got all these knickknacks and figurines and postcards and lunch boxes and all this stuff that deals with all these different kind of American subjects that he has immortalized, per se, in his music. I'll let him talk a little bit about that. And then he talks a little bit about uh, Metropolis Concerto as well. <sighs> Right, well, we are in my home uh, studio in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, where I create all my music. And for me, a space is very important, um, a creative space where I can have all my books and all my knickknacks and, and things I've collected and, and scores and, um, you know, uh, different uh uh, things I like to collect, like you'll see there's uh, neon signs, and I've got uh, a bunch of old dr- uh, oak uh, uh, cabinets here filled with old postcards and matchbooks, and then I have another giant cabinet, oak cabinet, uh, back in the corner where I have all my photographs, uh, because I like to take photos. And He's I got a lot of stuff, family. you can imagine. Photos over the years, and other uh, things. So, uh... I have a special drawer where I keep all my autographs I've collected over the years. Um, my lunchbox, metal lunchbox collection, you can see up there, where I have uh, lunchboxes made in the 1950s and early 60s. They were all made in Ohio, metal lunchboxes that kids used to go to school. And my prize to uh, the, uh, the Star Trek and the Superman lunchbox, the originals from the Superman is from 1954. The Star Trek's from 1964. Those were both really sought-after collector's items. Uh, so, anyway, it's the world according to Michael Doherty. So, I knew I'd kind of hit on something. Um, it was something that I liked, I enjoyed, and it kind of released my imagination to just come up with crazy ideas, you know, like, oh, Lois features two flexitones in orchestra. Also, I just kind of went for it. I was working in isolation. I was living in a little town in Ohio. What I was writing was sort of, uh, you know, off the radar, so to speak. Uh, it was played by Baltimore, and then um, also David Dotretigy was the composer resident for the New York Philharmonic, and he heard about it, so he programmed one of the movements of the New York Philharmonic. So that put me on the radar, and then one thing led to the next and so forth. 
Composer Michael Doherty talking about, uh, well, giving us a little tour of his home studio, but then talking a little bit about the Metropolis Symphony, which, uh, did I call it a concerto before? But Okay. Well, everything today is a concerto, Just so we, we'll just settle it at that, right? <laughs> the Metropolis <laughs> Symphony, I should say, uh, which Toledo Symphony is bringing to the Peristyle on Friday night. Um, well, what, what do you think of that? How are, how are those flexitones going? <laughs> you all well, smiled when the flexitones came out. Well, I think it's it's funny that we you know called it a concerto because it's got a really concerto like violin part as well. Um, yeah, it's got, see, I meant to do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a perfect segue. Um, Kirk Toth, our concertmaster, has been working this violin part for pretty much as long, if not longer, than Teo's been working the Beatles fantasy. Um, it's a very, very tricky part. Um, yeah. And it's got some uh, wonderful um, flute duet as well that's really, really, really difficult. So it's not just the flexitones. <laughs> it's, uh, we're, we're pretty much all getting a workout there. But it's, yeah, okay. it's a wonderful, um, once again, I think it's a great um, tribute to how um, symphonic music can bring together different eras because um, Michael really, you know, puts these almost um, these winking tributes to all of these different um, past eras of music. I think the most obvious being the Diazere and the mm-hmm. Red Cape Tango. Right. Yeah, he uses that. And he also had, had talked in another point in this interview I did with him about how it was not a, a popular thing. Like it was really risky for him to use the Diazere because so many other composers had used it for weightier subjects, mm-hmm. you know, and here he is using it you know, for for Superman, right? For the Red Cape Tango. Uh, And I guess it was controversial at the time, but he decided, like he often has throughout his career, just to go with it. Mm -hmm. I I think I chuckled at the mention of flexitones because Doherty is an imaginative and colorful composer. And the fact that he would have Lois represented by a couple of flexitones makes me smile. Because, <laughs> I mean, the flexitone is probably best known for uh, a strange appearance in a cacciatore on piano concerto. Yeah. And uh, and now the Superman Symphony, or the Metropolis Symphony by Doherty. So um, it, it's it's a whimsical sound, and uh, it just, I think, it, it, it speaks to this sense of... Um, uh, lightness and uh, maybe a, a, a smirk or a grin that goes with that whole yeah. work. Yeah, that's great. And it fits the, the mood of this entire concert, I imagine. Well, I want to leave Metropolis alone for a minute and get back to the Beatles, and, because I do have a little Beatles quiz, which, <laughs> which I've designed it in such a way that it, you don't have to be like a Beatles aficionado to get all these answers, right? Do you have to be able to spell it? No, you don't have to be able to spell. Are you going to show us colors of albums and we have to be able, no, able no, to no, identify them? No. I'll get the white one. No. White album, white album. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just a little Beatles quiz. Now, uh, Taya, I mean, do you are you really a Beatles fan? or You've heard of the Beatles, right? Because you're kind of a the younger generation. I, I have certainly heard of the Beatles. I feel like <laughs> the timing of your question is making me nervous because really? you're asking if I'm a Beatles fan, and I would say yes but that does not mean that I will get the answers correct in this oh, quiz. Oh, that's okay. It's okay no, I, all I've, you have to work on is mastering a concerto. That's, 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 that's right. a lot, so we'll, we'll give you a pass. Well, it is only a fantasy. It's only a fantasy. <laughs> it's a, a fantasy. See? Take away what I just got, said. Now I've got exactly, him saying right? concerto. Perfect. <laughs> but but I, I still remember that um, it was one of the first if not the first concert that you played with us as associate concert master. It was. It was the very first that we did. Um, it was a Pops at the Stranahan, and we had a group Hang of guys. Hang on a second. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. 
the the very first concert that I sat in my in my new titled chair of associate concertmaster was a Beatles program, and I, Merwin remembers, I was so excited because I love that music, and I just thought, you know, this is a really nervous day of work. I'm really anxious. I want to do a good job, but of all the pieces, at least it's the Beatles because that's so fun, and I know them so well. So it was a great day. I, great. Had, to, I had to elbow her a couple of times. Wait, you're you're, you're singing. You're not. Oh, yeah. you're not playing. <laughs> I did forget to play a couple times because I I can't help but sing. It's it's so catchy and it's so fun. And uh, can, can we look forward to that this Friday? Yeah. I will try my best not to sing. So, <laughs> but if you do, it's okay. All right, let's switch gears here. Little Beatles type music to get us in the mood for the quiz. Okay. This is more Johnny Cash than the Beatles. I'm sorry. It's a little, it's kind of a combo, right? Yeah. Okay, first question. Michelle, you know that song, Michelle? Mm -hmm. Was inspired by McCartney's technique for getting girls at parties. What was his technique for getting girls? Was it pretending to be a foreign exchange student? Or was it telling women that his girlfriend named Michelle had just died? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. To score sympathy? Or was it singing in fake French at parties? Which of those, A, B, or C? I would go with C. I'm definitely going with C. Yay! Yeah, he would he would pull out his guitar and sing and make up songs in French, fake French, <laughs> to track girls. Okay, Ringo Starr's real name is A. Richard Starkness, B. Richard Starkle, or C. Richard Starkey. I'll go with B. <clears throat> Not Richard Starkle. What were the other two, Brad? I'm sorry. Starkness is A, and Starkey is C. I go with C. All right. True or Starkness false? Starkness sounds like Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> it's what happens oh, when you get closer, and closer to nighttime. It, yeah. No spoilers. Starkness takes over. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, okay. True or false? Strawberry Fields was a real place. Was it a real place or Forever. not? Yeah. That's a yes, I yeah. take it. Yeah. yeah, it was a real place. Strawberry Fields was a place near Liverpool where John Lennon grew up. It was one of his favorite places to explore when he was a kid, so... You know, that sort of nostalgia feels, Strawberry Fields Forever. And, of course, later it became a, a landmark in Central Park. I'm pretty sure Mahler had a composing hut there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> McCartney often came up with melodies before he added the words, and sometimes he would use made-up words to keep the melody in his head, right? So for the song Yesterday, what was his made-up phrase to keep that melody in his head? Was it scrambled eggs, liverwurst, or apple pie? A, B, or C? Oh, it was food. I want to say it's A. Yay! Wow, Zach, wow. you were cleaning you were, up. Scrambled eggs. You were eggs. nailing it. Baby, how I love my scrambled eggs. <laughs> Something like that. I'm yeah. thinking liverwurst. That just <laughs> I happen to like liverwurst, so that You're one, an audience that one of sounded one. good to me. <laughs> I like all three of those foods, but I would not eat them together. <laughs> Maybe any two of them to get. No, no, <laughs> apple pie. Yeah, we'll save that for later. Yeah, the liverwurst and apple pie is what got me. Yeah. The Beatles went through several name changes. Which of these was not one of their names? Johnny and the Moondogs, the Rainbows, the British Everly Brothers, all of the above, or none of the above? Really hard, huh? I'm going to go none of the above. Yeah. Wow. So, meaning those were all names of the Beatles. Johnny and the Moondogs, the Rainbows, and the British Everly Brothers, which is huh. really weird and random. What was their original name when they started in 1957? Does anybody know that? That's extra credit point. The something men. The quarry men. Quarry men. Yeah. Oh. That's one for me. 
All right. Uh, right before they became simply the Beatles, which evidently at one point was spelled B-E-E-T-L-E-S, but then John Lennon wanted to identify with the Beat generation, mm. right? They were also known in a, a colorized version. They were known as either the Silver Beatles, the Gold Beatles, or the Black Beatles. Which of those three? This is a great quest. No idea. That's a wrong answer. Should I start singing? <laughs> Just guess. <laughs> yeah, do yeah. it. You get you get half point for that. I'll just tell you, it's the Silver Beatles. Okay. Silver. Here's one for you, Zach. Frank Sinatra described this Beatles song as the greatest love song of the past 50 years. He also made a cover of it. Is it something, When I'm 64, or It's Only Love? Something. Yay! That's right. I knew you would get that. It's a good. It's a good cover. Yeah. Now, at the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, John Lennon appears to mumble something that sounds like I buried Paul, which fueled that whole Paul is dead rumor. So what is he actually saying? Is it cranberry sauce, bloody well lost, or I am the walrus? Which of those is Paul actually saying at the end of Strawberry Fields Forever? I'm going to guess C. I am the walrus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. No. I'm going to go B. Nope. <laughs> I'll go D. Oh. <laughs> Up to you, Merwin. Can A. you get it? Yay. <laughs> Cranberry sauce. For extra credit, what else did Lennon say right after that? Was it calm down, Ringo? Was it I buried Paul? Or was it go home, George? Go, it's got to be George. Go Home George. Yeah. Oh, we did, he didn't even get a single mention in this quiz. <laughs> Yet. He just did. Wow. He got a mention. And it was wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Poor George Harrison. No, like it's, it's calm down, it. Ringo. Because oh. the, the end of it in this particular version ends with a like extended crazy drum solo, right? Uh, ah, okay. And so he's like, calm down, Ringo. Ringo. <laughs> Ringo. Ringo. Yeah, and that's what you call him when you're good friends. I gotta say, I I think that Zach was the Zach Zach definitely won. Yeah, totally. The winner. Again, the concert is this Friday, June 7th, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Paris Style, the Beatles Concerto with violinist Tia Prokes, Elaine Trudell at the podium, also Aaron Copeland's Fanfare for the Common Man, and Michael Dougherty's Metropolis. Symphony. More information at ToledoSymphony.com. Also, 419-246-8000. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at WGTE.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. My thanks to Zach Vasser, Merwin Sue, and Taya Brooks. I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.